Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Sherry Riley. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Sherry Riley is an empowerment coach, speaker, and author who has worked with major organizations like the NFL and NBA and has been featured on platforms like Fox, NBC, and CBS. Today, she'll speak on how listeners can grow personally and professionally as they find and pursue their unique purpose and passion. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker, and today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of talking to Sherry Riley empowerment speaker, empowerment coach, author. She didn't did some of everything, you guys. You guys really want to listen to this. She's worked with the NFL. She's worked with the NBA. She's worked with corporations all over this country. So if you think you need a little bit or a lot of something, Sherry Riley is the person you want to talk to. Good afternoon, Sherry. Hello, how you doing? I am doing real well. What a privilege to have you on the Waymaker Fireside Chat. And Thank what you. you have, Sherry, at some time and some place, everybody is looking for it. What I call, you got that little pick-me-up, all right? When people are feeling down, when people have doubts about themselves, when people don't know if they can make it, there's Sherry Riley to tell them they can. Yes, that part. <laughs> so, yes. so, 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 thank you for uh, being part of the Waymaker Fireside Chat. And just let me start off by asking, how did you get into this business? Oh, loaded question. <laughs> I will. Uh, oh my gosh. This part, this personal professional leadership development, um, I had no idea. Like when I say no idea, I had worked in the entertainment industry and the sport industry my whole career. I had a, a strategic consulting firm for 17 years. And I knew, you know, I'm a woman of faith. I don't put my faith on anyone. But when I started my business, God had already given me this vision, but I didn't have any clarity or clarity around it. And so when it started shifting, when I felt this push, this pull, um, this knock over the mountain of it was time to close my strategic consulting firm after 17 years, but I didn't know what was next. Like I had no clarity. I didn't know about this profession called, you know, coaching, speaking was something that Les Brown did, right? It wasn't something I did. And um, to make a long story short, it was on a Tuesday and I'd met with my team and I was like, I need something. I, I don't feel like I need a PhD. I don't think I need to go to seminary school, but there's something. And that following Sunday, um, I didn't go to church. I always go to church. I never oversleep. Well, I should say I never oversleep, uh, but I overslept. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pull my iPad and watch service. And a, a tweet came up and I never look at tweets when I'm watching service but I did. And it was actually a tweet from Sam Shand. And there's an intentionality to why I'm telling this. And that tweet um, was talking about this John Maxwell company and this John Maxwell team 
all transparency, when I say I knew nothing about this space, I didn't know John Maxwell. Like I knew if you walk through the airport, you see his name on the book, but I didn't know of John Maxwell. And so the gentleman that I'd met with on Tuesday, I said, hey, do you know about this John Maxwell guy? You think he's legit? There's this program he's doing. He's like, yeah, Sherry, he's legit. Um, and literally I became a founding member of the John Maxwell team, went to my first ever um, John Maxwell team training. And, and Lewis, literally, it was like everything in me said, this is what God's been talking about. And that was this introduction to personal development, professional development, leadership, and what it meant to really what I felt had always just been my personality, uh, really began to get trained and learn how to use this gift that God gave me for the purpose of serving and supporting and really helping guide people. So it was like I was led to it, um, but I, I really like it was I was sitting there like this is this is what I've been doing my whole life. So, so Sherry, you know, I say when you go into leadership, it's sort of like this selfless job, all right? Because leadership is not about yourself. It's about others. So you had your own business. Did you feel that you were in this position? You were already doing this anyway because you were kind of making your business about others anyway? You know, it's so interesting. So my company was a strategic consulting firm. We specialized in marketing, communications, partnership, brokering, talent procurement, and individual, you know, companies would hire us, Coca-Cola, the NBA, WarnerMedia, BET, and Converse. But what would always happen is we'd be hired for our strategic consulting, our marketing expertise, but I would always end up with whoever we were working with or members of the team becoming like their coach. Didn't know it was that. It was just in meetings, we'd end up talking about their personal challenges or we'd end up talking about how they were you know, missing so much with their family, but loving their career. And I'd give them this insight into you know, just the things I was doing, right? It was just me telling them and sharing with them what I was doing. And so what I would say is when I had my strategic consulting firm, People would hire me for marketing and I'd help them in their personal development. Now with my personal personal professional leadership development company, they hire us for that. And because of the marketing and business background, we still give them a full 360 degree as a strategy in business development. Uh, so there was always some element of what I'm doing now. Uh, even when I started with LaFace Records, literally um, I would do the marketing plans, but every artist I work with, I was always working with who they were as people. Like I would tell Usher, I'm more concerned with you, the man, than you, the brand. And uh, so it's always been underneath. So, so Sherry, what you just described to us is that you reinvented yourself, all right? Reinvention is hard. Yeah. It is. It's real hard because we're talking about change. How do you go about that process of getting people to change? Because I hear all the time, you know, Lewis, you know, you're asking me to change, but this is who I am. And I said, no, that's who you chose to be. How do you take people on that journey to change and reinvention? Yeah, and I've reinvented myself twice. When I resigned from LaFace Records and launched Glue, and then when I closed Glue and and, and transition into exponential living. 
Um, and you know what? I've been very intentional. Um, I don't use the word change for just that reason. It, you know, the word just throws people. But okay. the truth of the matter is, I don't want people to change because who they are, I don't want them to change that. What I use is evolve. So there's areas of them that they have to evolve because the core, when I, because, you know, one of the great things that we discover, and you do this work as well, so you know it, is most of the time, what is our gift? The challenge with it is when we do it too much. And that's where the issue comes. So for example, if our gift, if our behavioral tendency is to be supportive, but we do that too much, then what happens is it, it, it challenges our confidence because we then put ourselves in positions where we overserve, and then people begin to use us, you know, and our kindness. And so what I want is I want the essence of you, but I want to evolve. I want to evolve you in those areas where there's opportunity. Like I never say weaknesses. I say those areas of opportunity for growth. You know, where are those opportunities for growth? For high performers, where are you self-sabotaging? And so what I found is so many of us are spending 100% of our time on 10% of who we are. And we're trying to find 100% of that, our fulfillment in that 10%. So what I want to do is I want you to evolve into that other 90%. So what do you do with people who have to sort of be launched? Uh, they ain't doing much, all right? <laughs> they ain't achieving much at all. So they're at a, a different place than someone who is, you know, maybe be an athlete or maybe be a great entertainer. What do you get like people? I don't know what I want to do. Uh, you know, you, you know, a lot of people graduate from college. Mm -hmm. They have a degree in X, but they don't know what they want to do. How do you help people like that get on this path? Yes. The first thing I do is I will not allow them to say, I don't know. Because the truth of the matter is we always know. Now, we may not know everything and that's okay. We may not be willing to do the work that I know causes us to do, get you. We may not be ready to make the changes or the evolution that we have to make, or we may not be ready to deal with the truth that I don't know allows us to hide in. But the truth of the matter is we always know something. And so the first thing I do, Lois, is I, and having them stop saying, I don't know, I focus on what do you know? Okay. Well, you know, you, you got a degree, so you know, you're able to complete things. Okay. What do, what do, what wakes you up in the morning? Well, I got this degree in business, but I really love serving. Okay. Well, serving where, serving how, serving who. And so what I do is I focus on what you do know. Then I, I tell you, give yourself grace. Give yourself permission. And what I mean by give yourself permission is give yourself permission to recognize that you completed a degree and now you've got to give yourself grace, give yourself permission to let you discover what you want to do next. Give yourself permission to get help. Give yourself permission. You may get a need to get another training or certification. And so I really want to start with stop saying, I don't know, focus on what you do know. Give yourself permission, dot, 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 right? Whatever that dot, dot, dot is. Um, and then the third thing, it is a lot of times because of fear, we won't be honest with ourselves because we believe, and hear this, we believe that our purpose, our passion 
and our profit all have to come through the same way, right? And so what I help people understand is sometimes your purpose and your profit and your passion are all aligned. That's you and I, we're in that space. But sometimes your purpose may be to serve, but you can't figure out how to make money with that. Well, that means you may have to do something else for profit. Then you, for purpose, you go do on your own time, your free time, but profit, you may have to get a job. You may have to start a career somewhere else. And so when we begin to align that purpose, profit, and passion don't always mean the same thing. What that frees people to do is go, oh, so you mean I can go over here and work in this job, you know, in this pharmaceutical sales. And my passion is I want to serve and mentor youth. Oh, that's how I get to do that. Yes. And so a lot of times it's just separating those three things and releasing people to really be free and understand the difference between profit, purpose, and passion. So that takes us into a space, Sherry, where you're saying that people have the ability to do multiple things. You know, in our community, we think we get one shot, we get one chance on one thing. How do you get people to say, no, that's not true? How do you take them out of that thought process that you're only going to get this one shot at this one thing and you better be good at it or it's over for you? Yeah. Well, one, I I use me as an example. I mean, I started in, you know, marketing at LaFace. Well, really with Gerald LaVert, I started in marketing and then LaFace. But when I resigned from LaFace, I realized, Sherry, that was just one of your dreams. Like you had a dream to work in the music industry, check. Now you have another dream. And your other dream was to be an entrepreneur. Guess what? You had another dream. You wanted to be a wife and a mother. Oh, guess what? You had another dream. You want to travel. And so a part of it is, again, back to that give ourselves permission. It's giving ourselves permission to have more than one dream, right? And even when you get to a certain level, a lot of the high performers that I work with, you know, they become a judge. They become the senior VP or the CEO. And they go, you know, but I've been doing this for 30 years. And now I've reached this pinnacle of success. I'm a judge. I'm a, you know, defense attorney, a public defender. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the head chief doctor. And they feel like they have to stop there. And I, but, but they have, again, the passion, right? The purpose is to be a doctor. The profit comes from being a doctor. But their passion is they want to start a nonprofit or they want to work at a nonprofit or they want to travel. And so we have to then recognize we can have multiple dreams. And so to your point, a lot of people, you got to give them, you got to give them permission. And then you've got to make sure they give themselves permission right? To say, but, and here's the last thing, then you have to help them with the time allocation, right? Because then they get caught up in, oh my God, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do that. And it's like, okay, we have to then work on the time allocation. I'll give one quick example. One of my clients, um, very successful executive producer, worked with the Oprah Winfrey show for years, um, worked with you know uh, major morning shows, actually working with a major morning show now. And when we first started working together, I mean, she was just depleted, just absolutely depleted. And in our first session together, um, we put 20 hours back into her schedule because she was working full time. She was serving, I'm a Delta. She was serving in her sorority. She was serving at the church. She had all of these. She, if anybody called her for mentorship, she'd meet for the, with them. And one of the first things we did is I, I gave her permission 
to recognize that her time serving in certain organizations was over. And that was hard for her because she was like, I love serving at the church and I love serving in, in, in my sorority. But what I helped her understand is the seat you've been serving in for 10 years at the church, you're blocking someone else's blessing. Your time is supposed to move on to something else. And so when she began to see, oh, wow, what I think is me being of service is actually me being selfish because someone else is supposed to have the joy of serving in this seat. And so she was able to give herself permission to let that go. And, and honestly, it opened up a more impactful place at a higher level that only her expertise could truly benefit the community the way she wanted to. So it really goes back to, you know, depending on where you are, but just finding those places where people have to evolve their mindset, change the conversation in their head and give themselves permission to do these other things. I got one more question on that because I haven't heard this word. Where do you get the courage? Ah, yes. Where you you get know, exponential. Courage? Look, let me tell you, exponential living. The definition is pursuing peace of exponential living is a lifestyle of pursuing peace choosing clarity and living courageously. That's literally the definition because you're right. You can get all of this phenomenal information and you know with the work we do, we have these phenomenal retreats and these phenomenal summits and these phenomenal webinars and all this great stuff. And then we go back, why didn't they do it? Well, because they didn't have the courage to actually do the things that they wanted to do. And so what I say and what I've learned through my journey is that when we get the peace, which is the first part, Peace always gives us clarity. It's a guarantee. When you get peace, there is always clarity, right? And when peace and clarity come together, it guarantees you the courage. And the reason I say guarantee is because when you have most of the time, what keeps us from being having courage is we are discouraged. We are discouraged, right? Well, peace and clarity encourages. Because most of the time where we're discouraged is because we're not clear or we're anxious or we're, we don't, you know, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? Well, when you get the peace, when you get the clarity, you are now encouraged. It gives you the courage to then do what you need to do or not do what you need to do. Stop what you have, you need to stop what you need to stop doing. Say what you need to say. Stop saying what you need to say. And so we get that courage from that peace and that clarity. But we also get the courage from when we, again, focus on what we do know, right? When we focus, I don't know everything, but I do know this. I know that today I'm going to do this. And when we focus on what am I going to do today? What am I going to do in this moment? Which comes again from that peace and that clarity. It gives us that courage. So I'm going to ask this question this way, Sharon. Mm -hmm. What is was more difficult, writing a book, and I did that, so I know that's hard, or going into these all-male situations like the NBA or the NFL and trying to motivate, empower men, all right? And they looking at you like, really? Especially in those sort of aggressive arenas like that. Mm -hmm. What was more difficult, the book? Writing the book, whatever you're in, got to finish the question. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Writing the book. You know, the, the interesting thing, um, 
I'm an only child born on my dad's birthday. Uh, I am a tomboy through and through. Uh, my husband's an Omega. I'm a Delta. So my husband always says I'm one of the bros because uh, I'm going to be with the guys before I'm going to be with the females. Um, but I've also found that, you know, working with the men that I work with, I, you know, we can relate because they're, you know, I love sports and there's such a dynamic I have uh, in that space and place. Um, but also there's, you know, we met black men, especially, but men as a whole, there's a connection to our moms. There's a connection to our sisters. There's a trust that we have. And so kind of unconsciously, um, once you get past the barrier of, you know, I'm an NBA or I'm an NFL or I'm an entertainer, once you get past that, and, you know, I've always been in that place where, you know, you're you and I'm me. The only difference is, you know, you play basketball and I'm an empowerment coach, but we are still these people. And um, and so we it ends up, you know, being whether I'm the big sister or the auntie, uh, one of my clients, um, he refers to me as his second mom. Um, you know, you there ends up being that trust factor. Uh, but writing the book without question <laughs> and promoting. And, and, and why book. was writing the book? I know why it was difficult for me. Why was it so difficult for you writing the book? Oh my God, I'm a woman of faith. I don't. I'm. I'm I don't want to go too deep um, because God gave me a title. And he gave me nine principles and that was it. And it took 12 years of living these principles. I tell people I'm my first and most important client. Um, and I, he, I wanted through this journey, um, I didn't want this, you know, a focus group research. Like I really wanted real life. This, you went from here to here. I went from broken to, you know, from I went from the highest high to the lowest lows to the highest highs in a healthy way. And um, and so, and it was also, I didn't want just a transaction, meaning I didn't want people to just buy the book. I wanted transformation. I wanted a manual. And, and what I get now is what I wanted. People saying, your book is the book I read every year. Your book is the book that sits on my nightstand. Um, your book is the book that I refer to when I, when I reach certain circumstances in my life. And, and so I wanted that. And so, you know, it, when you order a steak, it takes a little longer than when you order a hamburger. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You, you, you have this statement about your book. Personal development fuels professional growth. Yes. Now, you know, in corporate America, when you start talking about personal development, people, you know, they start rolling their eyes, they looking out the window, they lean back, it's like one of these again, all right? Because most people can't connect the dots, all right? I'm getting ready to do something next month that I'm already seeing them rolling their eyes like you got us traveling all across the country for this? Yeah. How do you sell people that this is going to be something great for you? How do you get them in that mindset? Because most people are, they think it's a yarner, right? Because they want to know, how's it going to affect my check right now? How's it going to affect my title? How do I get to the next level? This nonsense you're talking is like, Whoa. Yeah. Well, threefold. One is, um, to your point, I, I focus on the productivity and the engagement. So when I'm talking to 
uh, chief people officers, human resource directors, et cetera. Um, the reality is, is if you're not focused on the, the, the employee, right? Um, you know, basically what happens between 6 p.m. and 9 a.m. directly affects how productive your team is between 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., right? If that parent is dealing with a 16-year-old and they don't know where they are, you're not getting the best of them when they come to work. And so being able to get decision makers to understand that the work we're doing directly impacts productivity. It directly impacts retention. It directly impacts engagement. It directly imp impacts team and culture and environment. And so we show how personal development enhances that and how it affects the bottom line in that way. Um, the second part is we're very intentional about working with the ready, willing, and committed, meaning I can't convince you. The only thing I'm convinced of is I can't convince you of anything. Um, and so when a person, John Maxwell says all the time, a person is only willing to change when the pain of where they are is greater than the pain of them changing. And so there are so many corporate executives that are just burned out. They're burned out. Their families are messed up. Their marriages are on the brink. Their children don't speak to them. Or they've gotten to the place where they realize no more money, no more purses, no more houses, no more cars are going to fill this empty void in me. And so that's when they're ready for this kind of work and this information. And then the third is culture has honestly caught up to the message I've been preaching and speaking for the last 15 years. Almost 20 years ago is when I said, peace is the new success. And it came from my own brokenness. It came from my own crash and burn. And so now, you know, culture has caught up to mental wellness. They've caught up to the fact that no amount of external success, no amount of money will ever give you inner, inner peace. And so now there's a shift in the culture where companies actually have health and wellness days and divisions and departments. And they're honestly now looking for um, this messaging. Um, and so in these, you know, three kind of dynamics, um, I've been able to really address from a business standpoint, because remember, I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> I'm a businesswoman. Um, I've been able to address how this work, personal development, fuels professional growth. And then also, to be honest with you, Lewis, we've got results. I mean, we've done the work. We have worked with the CVSs and the Coca-Colas and the, um, the JP Morgan Chase. We've gone in and we've done the work and companies have actually seen the difference. Um, I'll share one story real quickly. I, I spoke at Coca-Cola and, you know, Coca-Cola, everything is, you know, suit tie and, you know, and it, it was a, a, a black man was the lead. He was the senior executive in the room. It was his event. And so, you know, Lewis, as a black man in corporate America, there's definitely a decorum that you have to keep. And so at the end of the session, um, he came up to me and, and he had tears. He was, he was crying. And I was like, oh my God, a black man, senior leader in Coke crying. Um, that in and of itself was enough. And he came to me and he said, I wish I had had this message when my children were young. He said, but what you've given me, I'll get it right with my grandchildren. That's why we do this work. That was in the most corporate environment you can get uh, with a senior leader. And the reason that he, the results we're talking about is he understood 
I want those that I'm mentoring. I want the department. I want the executives working here to get this now because we don't have to lose our children and our families in order to be successful. Final question, Sherry. We're in a world right now that's like a roller coaster. One day the market's up, one day the market's down. Interest rates has went up tremendously over the last six to nine months. You turn on the 10 o'clock news, it's bad news, bad news, bad news after bad news. You look at any news source, uh, Meta today laid off 11,000 employees. Uh, Elon Musk with Twitter laid off so many thousands of employees last week. So when people are just hearing bad news after bad news, whether it's affecting them personally or not, how do people stay motivated and upbeat and really have their faith at its highest level? How do people stay that in an environment like this? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I know that's a real barbershop question. Right? No, I love that question. I because I honestly I, I've I've put thought into that question because I, I I work with a lot of those people that are getting laid off or the people that are having to make the decision to lay off, right? And one of the things I do is I have people sit down and on the right side of the paper, I want them to write everything that is a challenge everything that's a hurt, a challenge, a frustration, a struggle. And on the left side of the paper, I want them to write everything that's great in their lives, everything, always without fail. They're gonna stop writing on the right side eventually. I have to stop them on the left side because the truth of the matter is no matter how bad it is, there's way more good in our own lives. And I've been, let me tell you, I've been broke and broken. I've, marriage has been on the brinks, $2 in my bank account after having a multi-million dollar business at the lowest, it my, lost my dad, lost my marriage, lost my company, uh, was homeless, all of this, after having a multi-million dollar business, all of this. And in that lowest place and space in my life, I still had more things on the left side of the list than I had on the right side of the list. And so I always say we, we got to focus on the gratitude. We got to focus on the things that are positive. And my favorite book says, and this too shall pass. My favorite book says he works all things for the good of those who love the Lord. So whatever that struggle is, we got to know that we're going to get better in it when we continue to press through it. And I know what it's like to be on that cold bathroom floor, laying in a puddle of tears. And the only thing that could get me up was Lord help me. And, and in that getting the strength to get up, having that good core quality girlfriend or girlfriends or guy friends that when I knew I couldn't go any further that I could call and they say, Sherry, you got it, keep going. Having that network, whether it's one person or community of people, wherever your faith lies, getting deeper into that place of faith. And when we do those things, that left side of the list is always going to be more than that right side of the list of the challenges that we see and we face. Sherry Riley, Exponential Living. We thank you so much. You don't know how, how good this has made me feel. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I have loved it. Oh my God, I've loved our conversation. Thank you. I, I appreciate this. Uh, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. You're going to be in the Waymaker Journal. 
All right. Uh, but we wanted to do this podcast today. So tell them how they can reach you. Yes. So my website is Sherry Riley, S-H-E-R-I-R-I-L-E-Y. That's also where you can purchase um, autographed copies of my book, Exponential Living. Stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. The book is available anywhere books, ebooks, and audiobooks are sold. And then you can reach me on um, social media platforms. Again, Sherry Riley, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, and Twitter. Sherry, thank you for this. This has been great. Appreciate this conversation. And we here at Waymaker uh, love the things that you're doing and we'll be in touch for you to do more for us. I would love that. Thank you so much, Lewis. I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Sherry Riley. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know in our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.